The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I am your host, Gayla McDowell. I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the founder. I know that you all had a happy Thanksgiving, and and I'm saying it was a happy Thanksgiving because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, as it used to say in the scriptures, in the old King James version of the scriptures. So today we're starting a new series based upon the book, A Complaint-Free World, written by the Unity Minister, Will Bowen. And I selected this book primarily because I think this is a good season to work with uh, the concept of a complaint-free world. Now, it's always good not to complain, but around the holidays, the complaints seem to amplify because people who sometimes were family and friends and things of that nature uh, started to come in close proximity to each other, sometimes that can create fun and sometimes it can create agitation. And at the same time, this season also has some um, some expectations that people tend to put on themselves or culturally are put on them or put on them by their families. So this is a good time to really kind of recalibrate and work with the principles in this book. Now, the book is is a really good, easy read, and I would highly recommend. I know I didn't give people enough uh, time to really learn how to, I mean, not learn, get the book, but since I'll be doing this for a month, get the book, read it, get caught up, 
and let's do what we need to do to help transform our consciousness so we can become agents of change in the world. And I love it because this book, because it's user friendly. You read it and you do it and you don't read the book, then start. You just start. And basically the challenge of the complaint free world is kind of wrapped up in the introduction. And he says, basically, begin to wear a bracelet on either wrist. That's that's the first step or, or wristband. When you catch yourself complaining, gossiping, or criticizing, move the bracelet to the other wrist and begin again. If you hear someone else who is wearing a, he says purple because of that church used a purple bracelet, complain. It's okay to point out their need to switch the bracelet to the other. But if you're going to do this, you must move your bracelet first because you're complaining about their complaining. Stay with it. It's the fourth step. It takes many months to reach 21 consecutive days. The average is four to eight months. So the concept behind it is real simple. We get a wristband and a rubber band, a bracelet, whatever it is that you choose to use. They have a complaint-free band that they sell. Uh, Christ Universal Temple did this last year. We called it the power of gratitude. And we had um, the wristbands that people were switching from one month excuse me, from one wrist to another. And again, the idea is to go 21 days without verbalizing a complaint. Now, you know, it's one thing to think it in your head, but once you, once it comes out of your mouth, then it's switch. And the idea is to get 21 straight days. And one of the things about it, once you read the book and you understand what a complaint is and what a complaint is it, what you'll discover is, you complain a lot and you didn't know it. Even the most positive people complain a lot and they don't know it. And I think it's because we've been raised in a culture, and I mean culture, not just human beings, uh, not just particular gender or race or nation or nationality, uh, but like really in, in a family culture of complaining. We don't realize just how much the culture that we were raised in, the environment in which we were raised, affects us. I just want to read something before I get into Will Bowen's book. This is from Cracking Your Church's Culture Code by Samuel R. Chand. And he wrote, culture, not vision or strategy, is the most powerful factor in any organization. Now, you can substitute organization to be family, church, um, uh, government, whatever. He says it determines the receptivity of staff and volunteers to new ideas, unleashes or dampens creativity, builds or erodes enthusiasm, and creates a sense of pride or deep discouragement about working, about working or being involved there. Ultimately, the culture of an organization, particularly in churches and nonprofit organizations, but also in any organization, shapes individual morale, teamwork, effectiveness, and outcomes. In an article in the magazine Executive Leadership, Dick Clark explains how he took the pharmaceutical firm Merck to a higher level. Quote, the fact is, culture eats strategy for lunch. You can have a good strategy in place, but if you don't have the culture and enabling systems, the negative culture of the organization will defeat the strategy. So he was saying that 
you don't even realize how much the culture that you are nurtured in affects how you see life, how you interact with life and what you complain about life. And then he says something else in the book I think is really key. He says toxic culture is like carbon monoxide. You don't see it or smell it, but you wake up dead. And what it's saying is it affects us so strongly. And many times we don't realize that being in that complaining, negative, pessimistic culture or cultures, how it affects us deeply at a soul level. And before we realize it, we're lockstep with that culture. And we might be at times the producer of those type of cultures. Again, what I discovered and what many of the leaders of CUT discovered, ministers and teachers and you know, and and lay leaders that have been here and helped build this ministry, we what we discovered was we complain a lot. Even those who are teaching the prosperity and the healing and the prayer complain a lot, but we don't realize it because, you know, sometimes you can be subtle in the way you complain, but a complaint is still a complaint. So let me get to the book. So I'm using, I'm reading from the old hardcover book. So I don't know if the pages are exactly the same. I'm just, I can only read from the page of the book I have. So in the introduction, he quotes Maya Angelou. And it reads, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. Don't complain. Let's think about that. If you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. Don't complain. Now, that doesn't mean that you become desensitized or you become resigned to things being the way they are. What it is saying is most of the things that we complain about we complain because of uh, we think it could be something different than it is. And, but, but instead of taking authentic action, many times we personalize it and then we get caught up in the story around what needs to happen instead of taking authentic constructive action. And once you take authentic constructive action, you don't have to keep it alive with the story. So. What is he, he, he promises? He said that less pain on page two, better health, satisfying relationships, a better job, being more serene and joyous sounds good. It is not only possible, it's probable. So he's saying if we can learn how to stop complaining, we'll have better physical health, better relationships, better job experiences, a more peaceful soul, learning when we learn how to stop complaining. Then he says on page three, he says, and relax. We're only talking about complaints, criticisms, and gossip that is spoken. So let's just be clear. What this challenge is saying is for tw- you want to go 21 straight days without complaints, criticism, and gossip that's spoken, that's verbally spoken. He says, if it comes out of your mouth, it counts. So start over. If you think it, it's free. But you'll find out that even 
complaining thoughts will disappear as you move through the process. So only thing is happening is every time you complain, every time you criticize, every time you gossip, and again, the criteria is in the book. So just in case you're wondering, how do I handle things that need to be handled? That's clear. And he uses a, a great example in the book of uh, Eckhart Tolle talking about criticism, where if a, if a man um, or woman goes to a restaurant and they're served a, a, a cold soup and they want a warm soup, or hot soup and says to the waiter, you serve me cold soup. The soup is supposed to be hot. Take this back and give me hot soup or bring me back hot soup. That's not a complaint. That's authentic action. But many people will sit and eat the lukewarm or cold soup and complain all the way through it. Even if you say, hey, why don't you just send it back? Never mind. Or they'll send it back. And then talk about it for the next 20 minutes or 30 minutes. That's the complaint. What type of restaurant is this? And, you know, what they're doing in the back and on a whole bunch of other things that we make up a story around it. So now instead of taking authentic action and so we can be become present to the experience of now. We get caught up in what happened and we allow our minds to get stuck in our stories of the past, which doesn't allow us to be present to the blessings that are available in front of us. So. He says. That. When you move the wristband, it it works with your consciousness differently. So you can say, well, what if I every time I complain, criticize or gossip, I just acknowledge it. That's great. But the physical act of moving the wristband or bracelet does something in your brain. It says, oh, OK, the physical switch, because now it's multisensory. Now, you're not just thinking it. You brought this habit, this practice into physical uh, reality, switching the wristband to say, wow, OK. I need to make sure that every time I gossip, criticize or or complain, I'm switching this wristband and your mind will literally drill down more on complaining. All right. So he goes on to say on page four, I said, when you catch yourself complaining, not if complaining is epidemic in our world. So don't be surprised when you find out that you, too, gripe a lot more than you thought. A lot more than you thought. And then in the introduction, he gives a lot of information about how this process got started that you can read on your own. But this is obviously an idea from the mind of God, in my opinion, because it's genius. On page 10, he wrote, complaining is talking about things you do not want rather than what you do want when we complain we are using our words to focus on things that are not as we would like so let's be clear our thoughts create our lives and our words indicate what we are thinking let me repeat that because if you get nothing else from this book please let this be it our thoughts create our lives and our words indicate what we are thinking this is why this practice is so important 
because as you verbalize your thoughts, you're actually letting yourself know and everybody else know what you're thinking. What you're thinking, even at an unconscious level, sometimes we react and we say, well, where did that come from? It came from the only place it can come from you. It It can't come from anywhere else. So at some level, some thought, some belief, some feeling it uh, was buried and with the right trigger, it came up. So he goes on to say, what you articulate, you demonstrate. What you articulate, you demonstrate. He says, we are, every one of us, already creating our lives all the time. The trick is to really take the reins and steer the horse to where you, you, to where we do want to go rather than where we do not. Your life is a movie written, directed, produced by, and starring, you guessed it, you. Mm. I'm the director, the producer, producer, and the lead actor. That's what he's saying. And the way that we, uh, not the way, a way we can reclaim conscious awareness of our power is through this exercise. And again, this season tends to lean on people in different ways. You know, people are happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Thanksgiving, uh, you know, Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa, many other things and whatever, you know, because I know this show goes all over the world. You have your own traditions. Maybe they're around this time of the year, maybe not. But this is what I'm present to. Just because people are saying this is what the way you should be feeling doesn't mean that that's what's happening in people's lives. So it goes on to say on page 11, you are creating your life in every with in every moment with the thoughts to which you give the most attention. Now, this is key. You are creating your life in every moment with the thoughts to which you give the most attention. Man is what he thinks about all day long. Someone once wrote. To paraphrase Ralph Waldo Emerson. What you do speaks so loudly. I can't hear what you say. But what are the actions based on? The thoughts. What are the words based on? The thoughts. So this exercise gives us an opportunity to see what's going on in our minds. He goes on to quote some different people who talk about the power of consciousness. Jesus, he quoted in Matthew 8.13, As thou hast believed it, so it be done unto thee. He quoted Marcus Aurelius, the universe has changed. Our life is what our thoughts make it. He quoted the Buddha. We are shaped by our thoughts. We become what we think. He quoted Norman Vincent Peale. Change your thoughts and change your world. He quoted James Allen. You are today where your thoughts have brought you. You will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. He quoted Earl Nightingale. We become what we think about. He quoted Charles Darwin. The highest possible stage in moral culture is when we recognize that we ought to control our thoughts. He quoted Alfred Montepert. 
Why are we masters of our fate, captains of our souls? Because we have the power to control our thoughts. He says, our words indicate what we are thinking and our thoughts create our lives. So this gives us a great opportunity to change our lives. Why? Because he says on page 13, when we notice our thoughts, we can change and ultimately reshape our lives into whatever we choose. What type of words are coming out of our mouths? There's power in the spoken word. He also says um, on page 15, I found that I could do very well around some people, but not so well around others. Sadly, I realized that my relationships with some people I consider good friends centered on our expressing our dissatisfaction about whatever we were talking about. I began to avoid them. I felt guilty at first, but I noticed that my bracelet stayed put. More important, I found myself beginning to feel happier. So in other words, some of us have relationships with people that are solely based upon what we're against and what we're complaining about. Not anything about mutual upliftment or the joy of experiencing each other. In other words, we get together to be petty and talk about petty things. And that's the sole basis of the relationship. So I'm looking at the clock and it's about time for the first break. So we're going to take that first break and we'll be right back with Truth Transform. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. I'm Dr. Tom Shepard, host of Let's Talk About It on Unity Online Radio. In my studies of world religions, I've repeatedly encountered two central spiritual questions. How do we make sense of life, and how do we live it more successfully? You're invited to explore these two questions with me in my new book, The Many Faces of Prayer, How the Human Family Meets Its Spiritual Needs. You'll be amazed at the remarkable ways people have learned to pray to their gods and to celebrate life individually and as communities of faith. Learn more at unitybooks.org. There is peace. There is quiet. Reverend Paulette's mantra is, It's all a prayer. Tune in every Tuesday as Unity Minister Paulette Pipe leads you in meditation and prayer on touching the stillness. Make no mistake, this is not nap time. With an energy that will captivate you, touching the stillness will guide you in deep meditation, leaving you enlivened. 
Hear astounding meditations and learn more about different forms of meditation. Enrich your prayer life as Reverend Paulette, Senior Minister of Touching the Stillness Ministries, affirmatively prays with power and authority by taking live prayer requests from callers like you. Whether you have a prayer request for yourself or for a loved one or are ready for a deepened meditation experience, make sure you tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Time, where we'll be joining in consciousness with the unceasing prayer activity of the Silent Unity 24-7 Prayer Ministry at Unity Village. That's Touching the Stillness with Rev. Paulette Pipe every Tuesday right here on Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Letting go in the stillness. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Before we get started, I want to remind you that this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely receive, freely give, go to uh, unity.fm, um, click on the giving button. I believe that's what it says now, to uh, be able to leave a, a donation so we can help support this online ministry going around the world. Not just my show, all of the shows, because we're making a difference. We're making an impact in the world and this message goes places that you might not even realize but folks are listening to it in other continents and it's really important not just my show again other shows as well so we want to lift up the consciousness of the human race we have to be a committed stand and take authentic action also if you want to call in to ask a question or make a comment you can call in at 888-558-6489 888-558-6489. want to remind you that this show is also on iTunes, the podcast after the live broadcast, normally by the next day. They're on iTunes. And if you have Android devices, Stitcher. It's an app that pulls up radio, online radio shows. So you can share them with other people. Go on and, you know, give them five-star ratings. Say, hey, you know, this show is nice. It helps me. It, you know, helps my life. It helped me live. It helps me live a better life, whatever it is. That's my request that you go on and give it positive, good, high reviews. So it can be uh, it. They have some type of rating system that uh, that the more positive reviews a particular podcast gets, the more it's available the more they will promote it. In other words, let other people know about it. So we want to make sure that we get this information out because I think that we are doing some good stuff with this show. And, or at least that's what you all are telling me. So seriously though, let's get back to the book. So on page 17, he wrote, there are two things upon which most people will agree. There's too much complaining in the world. Two, the state of the world is not the way we would like it. So he says, in my opinion, there is a correlation between the two. We are focusing on what is wrong rather than focusing our vision on a healthy, happy and harmonious world. 
you are now part of this. It is no accident you picked up this book or or I would say listening to this show. So maybe the reason the world isn't the way we think it should be is because people are putting all of their attention on what they don't want and they're producing more of it consistently, consistently. One of the things that I was taught very early in in my study of new thought was that the universal law was no respecter of person. And what that, how that was drilled down, because it was a play on in the book of Acts when it is stated, God is no respecter of person. But the universal law being no respecter of person means that anybody who works the law, who who knows how to get focused attention, knows how to keep their mind stayed on their goals, knows how to speak into what they want, Some that many times they get results now they get other things to go along with those results for instance you can have a person who's who gets success in very shady ways now they get the other things to go along with being shady but many times they drill down and they're able to get the quote-unquote goal that they want and many times you know good church people will say well how come that that criminal is you know has the big house on the car now you don't want what goes along with that big car and house because of the way they got it but they still were working to an extent, not to an extent, they were working the law. The law is not going to say, oh, you can't give him that because he thinks bad thoughts and he does some bad things. Now, what the law will do is give you everything that goes along with that experience. But they know how to many times keep their attention on things. And know how to draw attention. So even when people are drawing drawing attention to themselves you're 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 giving them your power because where your attention goes the power flows where your attention goes the power flows and 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 not to give this any political debate of fire this is how a president elect could be selected that we currently have in the United States Attention, 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 attention. How do I learn how to create attention to get all eyes on me? Anyway, we're going to leave that there. So going into uh, part one, uh, unconscious incompetence. So one of the things that he states is many times we not only do we complain, incompetent in knowing how to stop complaining. We're even unconscious that we are complaining. Many people don't even realize that they're complainers. So he says complain, he defines it to express grief, pain, or discontent to make a formal accusation or charge. So he says there are four stages to become competent at anything and becoming a complaint free person. That's the goal of this book to become a complaint free person. You will go through each of them, and sorry, you can't skip steps. You can't jump over them and affect lasting change. Some of the stages last longer than others. Everyone's experience with them varies. You might soar through one stage and then become stuck in another for a long time. But if you stay with it, you will master this skill. All right. The four stages of competency are, number one, Unconscious incompetence. Number two, conscious incompetence. Number three, conscious competence. 
Number four, unconscious competence. All right. So what is he saying? He's saying right now you are in the unconscious incompetence stage. You are unconscious about your being incompetent. Now, that's something to swallow because, you know, people like to consider themselves competent about things. But he's saying this is where we are. He says you don't realize you are unconscious as to how much you complain are incompetent. And again, when you start this practice and my challenge to you today is whenever you hear this lesson, even if you just have to go buy a rubber band from a local store or or even if you got to switch a gold bracelet from one wrist to another. Or get order, you know, wristband, and when you get it, then it'll be something that's more official. But start today. Every time you criticize, verbalize, rather, every time you verbalize a criticism, every time you gossip, every time you complain, switch the wristband. And you'll discover in a course of a day how many times you do it and you'll really find out when you go a few days like that first two or three days and you're really really working hard and then you find yourself not being able to get past past two or three days for a while it is quite interesting um you know and and let me just say full disclosure when we did this at cut i think i made it to eight or nine days during the time frame that um, Reverend Wells had us doing it. So, and I consider myself pretty positive, but I realized that sometimes I like to throw, as we would say, uh, a little shade from time to time. And you don't realize how subtle it is. Now, shade just means, you know, you know, criticisms of, of others that's disguised as something else. You know, it's like, you know, like the sun is shining on somebody and then you just put something over it to create shade so they don't get sunshine. And they didn't realize it. I was like, wow, this is harder than I thought it would be. So part of doing this process is a reminder for myself that be mindful of the thoughts that you're thinking. Because I, I as a new thought minister, teach people thoughts held in mind produce after their own kind so if if i'm verbalizing shade that means i'm thinking shady thoughts and i'm having shady feelings and when those two are married in the mind i'm producing shady experiences because thoughts held in mind produce after their own kind and the words that go forth out of my mouth shall not return unto me void. Mm. So he goes on to say, on page 25, many people are an ouch looking for a hurt. If you cry ouch, the hurt will stop. Show, excuse me. If you cry ouch, the hurt will show up. If you complain, you receive more to complain about. It's the law of attraction in action. Mm. 
He says, one of the questions I'm often asked is, can I never complain ever? To which I answer, of course you can complain. I say this for two reasons. I'm not out to tell you or anyone else what to do. If I were, I'd be trying to change you. And that means I'm focusing on something about you I don't like. I'd be expressing discontent about you and by inference complaining. So you can do whatever you want. It's your choice. Then he says, number two, sometimes it makes sense to complain. Now, he then he gives some examples of at times when you need to address something. But let's just be honest. 99% of the time, that's not the case. We're criticizing, we're gossip, we're complaining about stuff that's really minute or uh, when we reflect back later in life, blown out of proportion. All right. All right. So he, then he says, now before you feel you found a loophole in, in number two above, consider where sometimes remember that I and many other people have gone three consecutive weeks. That's 21 days or 504 hours in a row without complaining at all. No complaints. Zero. Zip. When it comes to complaining, sometimes means not very often at all. Complaining should happen infrequently. Criticism and gossip never. If we are honest with ourselves, life events that lead us to legitimately complain, express grief, pain, or discontent are exceedingly rare. Most of the complaining we do is just a lot of ear pollution, detrimental to our happiness and well-being. So there are going to be times when you're going to express grief, loved ones, people having health challenges, going through sometimes tough situations. There are going to be times when you're going to be in some emotional or physical pain. There can be some times where you, you're having discontent just because your soul uh, is being led by the spirit to go do something else. And that makes perfect good sense. But but as he stated before, most of the complaining we do is just a lot of ear pollution. Really a lot at the land. Ear pollution. He says, check yourself. When you complain, express grief, pain, or discontent. Is the cause severe? Are you complaining frequently? It's, it's, it's really something else. All right. Page 32, he wrote, and he gives examples of, you know, personal examples and some other things in the chapter, which you can read on your own. He says, but for most of us, our complaints are not sourced by such deeply painful experiences. He says, things are not really bad enough to warrant expressing grief, pain, or discontent, but complaining is our default setting. It's what we do. In other words, we're just so used to complaining. And here's the thing. Like I said before, I consider myself a pretty positive person. Matter of fact, so positive when people complain to me, when I just hear people just stuck on automatic, I just get silent. You know, you say, hey, how you doing? Well, da, 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 and, you know, this is messed up and this hurts and such and such isn't this and, and blah, 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 that and whatever. And I just look at them. Because I don't comment about it. I'm like that intense about it. 
But I didn't realize until I started this exercise that I didn't do it that way. So in other words, I'm not going to complain about life because I'm kind of conditioned that way. Um, it was kind of hard to be in the, um, in the stratosphere of Reverend Coleman and be that way. I'm not saying impossible because the Lord knows it happened, but you know, you know, she was big on training your subconscious mind and the words that came out of your mouth. So anytime somebody sees me, Hey, how are you doing? I'm excellent. That's my all the time response. Why? Because the I am in me spirit is always excellent. So regardless of what I might be experiencing, I am excellent. So when I hear stuff that's different than that, obviously, it depends on what hat I'm on wearing. If I'm wearing the ministerial hat, I'm listening the process to help now have a conversation to shift the energy back to truth. Or if I'm listening to a family friend or, or whoever, uh, I'm listening, but I'm also saying I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to be triggered by this. Yeah, my toe hurts, too. I'm not about to get into that. You know, because if my toe hurts, I need to go do my prayer work or go see a doctor. And the doctor needs to know about my toe. Everybody at work doesn't need to know about my toe. So I just looked at the clock. It's time for our second break. So we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box. notice that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose, join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. All right. So I want to quote something from another book, because sometimes even though we're talking about verbalizing complaints, 
I want to just deal with body language and appearance just for a second because the exercise, this has nothing to do with the 21 day challenge. Let me be clear. It's just extra insight. All right. Um, David Schwartz wrote in the magic of thinking big. He says, remember your appearance talks. Be sure it says positive things about you. Your appearance talks. So many times we complain with our body language, our uh, our physical expressions. We complain sometimes in the way we dress. So there are a lot of nonverbal clues to show up as complaining. So even though this is not a part of the exercise, because I believe is you watch your words and you watch, which makes you watch your thoughts, that your physiology will change. Just want us to be mindful. That sometimes the complaining, like with a child, you want the child wants to do something. And I was raised in the in the era and in the household where you couldn't say it or show it. You know, you know, my mom wasn't going. It was no such thing as, you know, you didn't, you know, you might have been upset about something, but you didn't complain, and and your face better not complain, and your body language better not complain. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so. I mean, there's no other way way for me to say it. So, you know, I learned how to develop a poker face rather quickly. I wish I could say that um, my uh, mom, dad, and grandparents were enlightened uh, with the, with 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 the non whoopings and things of that nature. But you know, I I I, I didn't get that blessing. <laughs> so I'll just leave that at that. <laughs> so so I had to be very mindful that my appearance also could get me in trouble. So page thirty seven. Uh, he wrote, stop complaining, change your words, change your thoughts, and you will change your life. When Jesus said, seeking you shall find, it was a statement of universal principle. What you seek, you will find. When you complain, you are using the incredible power of your mind to seek things that you say you don't want, but nonetheless draw them to you. Then you complain about the new things and attract more of what you do not want. You get caught in the complaint loop, a self-fulfilling prophecy of complaint, manifestation, complaint, manifestation, complaint, manifestation, and on and on it goes. So the more you complain, the more you'll get more to complain about, which gives you things to complain about, which gives you more things to complain about, which gives you things to complain about, which gives you more things to complain about. And next thing you know, your life is built around the complaints instead of about what you want. And if you really drill down and talk to people who have a lot of complaints and you ask them, well, what do you want? What do you want to see happen? They have a hard time verbalizing it. But if you tell them what they don't ask them, what they don't like about a particular thing. Or situation or idea, they can tell you. But then you say, "Okay, well, what should we do or what do you think we should do and why? If you were in the position of leadership. If it was your decision to make, what would you do? Many times people can't verbalize that because they've only been connected to the criticism because that's the culture in which they were raised. Now, again, no one complains about something unless they think it can be better. That's the basis of complaint. Nobody complains about something if they think it can't be changed. The reason why we complain is because we think it can be different. The issue comes into play is uh, we've taken that down to an extreme. 
So instead of saying, okay, this can be better, and then seeking to make it better, we just talk about it. We just gossip about it or them. We just criticize it or them. But we don't put on, you know, like washing dishes. We don't put on put on the, uh, the those rubber gloves and, and get the water into the sink and the suds and and start scrubbing those dishes. You can after Thanksgiving, I'm sure somebody looked and said, "Wow, look at all those plates in the sink." Somebody had to get up and wash them instead of complain about the kitchen being a mess. You can complain about the kitchen all all you want. Complaining about the kitchen won't clean the kitchen, won't wash the dishes, the pots and pans. It won't get the, the garbage out of the house. And that's what we do. We stand there talking about the kitchen in life, about what's not clean, what's not right, what's not in place, what's out of order, what's stinking. Instead of dealing with what we need to deal with. So he wrote on page 38, the last page of chapter one. The universe doesn't care if you use the power of your thoughts as indicated by your words to call yourself love. Excuse me, to call to yourself love, health, happiness, abundance and peace. Or if you attract to yourself pain, suffering, misery, loneliness and poverty. Our thoughts create our world. Our words indicate our thoughts. When we control our words by eradicating complaining. We create our lives with intention and attract what we desire. So in the next chapter, he talks about complaining and health, how complaining has a direct effect on our health. So he starts off this paragraph by saying, and this is beautiful. We complain for the same reason we do anything. We perceive a benefit from doing so oh that lands all we complain for the same reason we do anything we perceive a benefit from doing so Mm. Mm. so i'm gonna jump over some stuff because he tells a lot of good stories and he goes into something I think is really important. I remember hearing Reverend Coleman say something like this years ago. And he wrote, psychologist Robin Kalowski wrote that many complaints involve attempts to elicit particular interpersonal reactions from others, such as sympathy or approval. For example, people may complain about their health, not because they actually feel sick, but because the sick role allows them to achieve secondary gains such as sympathy from others or the avoidance of aversive events. Mm. Mm. He even says something I thought was really interesting, talking about how when he was a kid, one of the stories is how he would complain about um, things, you know, being overweight and some other stuff. He says, we complain to get sympathy, attention, and to avoid stepping up to something we're afraid of doing. Ooh, we complain to get sympathy, attention, and to avoid stepping up, avoid stepping up to something we're afraid of doing. He says, when I was a kid, I had symptoms of the flu or other illnesses. I play it up to stay home from school and watch TV. 
the odd thing was, and this is key, and I remember this type of stuff could happen, and I'm, I'm, I know this happened to me before when I was a kid. I'd often find myself getting sicker after complaining about how I felt. I get so caught up in it, trying to get that extra day home from school, that I would feel bad or worse after complaining about it. He says, have you ever played the sick role? Are you doing so now? Poor health is one of the most common complaints people voice. People complain about their health to get sympathy and attention and to avoid aversive events such as adopting a healthier lifestyle. When we complain about our health, we may receive these benefits, but at what cost? He goes on to say, uh, talking about psychosomatic illness, he says, however, doctors estimate that nearly two thirds of their time is spent treating patients whose illnesses have psychological origins. Think about it. Two thirds of illnesses originate in the mind. Mm. So he says what the mind believes the body manifests. He goes on to say on page 47, when you complain about your health, you're putting out negative statements that your body hears. It registers in your mind, psyche, directs the energy in your body, soma, psychosomatic, attracting more health challenges. Have you ever noticed that people who complain about their health invariably have more and more to complain about? But I am really sick, you say. Please understand, I don't doubt that you believe you are. But remember that the doctors estimate that 67% of illnesses are the result of thinking sick. Our thoughts create our world and our words indicate our thoughts. Complaining about an illness will neither shorten its duration nor lessen its severity. So if you go, so in other words, even in the midst of, you know, something that's real serious, he's saying that your attitude and words through it, matter when you're going through an illness, through a sickness, through a dis-ease. Complaining and being pessimistic and resigned in your language, what you're verbalizing and thoughts and feelings is not going to make the illness get better. And it, it might get you in a loophole of making it worse because sometimes you can complain about something to the point where you don't try. In other words, the person who who knows not to eat particular food because it drives up their blood pressure and they do it anyway. The, the folks who are, you know, I, you know, diabetic, for instance, and they eat even though things they know could literally check them out. The person who goes to the doctor and says, this smoking has damaged your lungs, or you don't stop smoking, you're going to end up with the lung cancer or the, or the hole in your, th- I forgot that, I forgot the term trachea something. Anyway, I apologize for those who are experiencing that, but realize that many times folks who get those things were warned. Warned. And and they still do it. So sometimes the situation and circumstances, because we're so used to criticizing, complaining about things that we don't make the positive alternative choices. So we'd rather complain about our health breaking down, health breaking down instead of doing something about it. And you might end up having a situation where, you know what, physically it might not change, but your attitude around it and the, and the functionality of your life will change because you have a different way of thinking. And you're, and you're saying that nothing will stop me from living the life that I choose 
even in the midst of whatever physical handicaps might be in place. There are people who are doing more things in wheelchairs than people walking around with with functional legs and arms and hands and feet because their minds dictate that they should. So there's no no complaining, just doing what needs to be done. They can sit in their complaints about why me, God, or or they could, which they do, get up and get to work. So looks like it's about that time. For me to stop. So next week we're going to deal with chapters three and four, which is conscious incompetence. So get the book, A Complaint Free World by Will Bowen, and let's get to work. Start your challenge today. Get you a rubber band, get you a bracelet, a wristband, something. And every time you verbalize a criticism, uh, a complaint, uh, a gossip, switch it every time, no matter what. God bless you, and I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, Practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. There were once two monks who slept late and missed their morning prayers. The very strict abbot ordered the monks to do penance for their lack of discipline. They had to walk all day with peas in their shoes. One monk moaned with every step he took. The other just smiled with a secret satisfaction. Finally, the one monk in agony asked, Brother, how is it that you can stand a walk on these dry, hard peas? The happy monk replied, I boiled my peas. We all have difficulties that seem to cause us great pain as we walk through life. But there is a way to deal with life's challenges. Changing your thoughts and actions can change the world around you. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Have you ever considered that everything you think, say, and do is a prayer to the universe? 
What would your life be like if you activated the power of yes? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her exciting guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or even the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.